Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to talk about the Manitoba Junior Hockey League as they've announced their schedule. Things are getting back to normal. And we'll talk to their commissioner, Kevin Surrett, about it. We'll also talk to former NCAA athlete Steve Siebold on Supreme Court's unanimous ruling that the NCAA, well, basically the NCAA sucks. We'll get into that on the podcast. The Manitoba Junior Hockey League announced their 2021-2022 schedule for the season, the whole thing. And here joining us now is the commissioner of the MJHL, Kevin Surrett. Kevin, must be an exciting night for you in the league. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's uh, We released our, our schedule overview a couple weeks ago, but tonight at 7 we, we released our full regular season schedule with all the dates and and matchups and times so it's very exciting i know the teams we there's been a lot of work that's gone into this and obviously with the year that we're coming out of it's uh there's a lot of optimism and, and a lot of excitement excitement as we build towards september so september 17th 18th uh the big days to look forward to yeah exactly that's our opening weekend and you know that's going to be the first games played in in quite a while since november in the mjhl of last year so like i said there's there's a lot of excitement from the players the organizations the staff the league office everyone has a date something to focus on and and i'm sure in each community i know the excitement is is building and building and and i imagine it's going to be a very exciting time in, in all 12 mjhl communities on opening weekend because this has been something, as you mentioned, since the, everything got shut down in November, where you're training for a time that might come, but not entirely sure, and then it never did come. Now you've actually got some tangible dates you can write in a calendar, and that can be a, a great motivational force as players get back to, to playing again. Yeah, exactly. It's something they can they can circle. They know they have a goal in place. They have a, a time frame that they need to get ready for the season, and it, and it just gives them something to focus on when we all know it's been very difficult for everyone this past 15 months. And, and for these elite athletes, it just, they need that focus. They need that date. And, and this will be important now that they have this in place and it's, it's finalized. Now, is this the time of year you would normally announce the schedule? It is. It's probably a little bit earlier than, than normal, but we, we do usually announce it by the end of June, early July. So okay. it's right along the same time frame. Okay. Is there anything different about the schedule this year? Well, we're actually making a return to the two-divisional format. Uh, we have 12 teams, and you know we made it up of two divisions. And we're actually we're in years past we've we've had a balanced schedule, and this year we've moved away from it's it's unbalanced. It's heavy on divisional matchups, and really that's that's something we've been working towards over the last two seasons. We wanted to have more divisional matchups, more less travel throughout the province, less travel costs, less hotel nights. And the majority of the games are going to be on weekends this year in home-and-home matchups. So we're really taking a focus on player development to give players consistency throughout the week in their on-and-off-ice training and then having them build towards the weekend, which will be very intense, very competitive matchups. And it also is going to create an atmosphere in, in each community where that's going to be the big event of the weekend is, is going to be the MJHL hockey game. So, you know, we're really excited to, to move forward to this two-divisional format and more of a format structured on weekends and player development. 
And in the, for those who aren't uh, aware, the West is Dauphin, Nipawa, OCN, Swan Valley, Swan Valley, pardon me, Wayway, Capital, and Verdon. The East is Portage, Selkirk, Steinbach, Winkler, Winnipeg Blues, Winnipeg Freeze. So looking ahead to, to the fall then as well, the uh, tell me more about the uh, MJHL Player Showcase plans for this year. Well, that's that's one of our main events. We've been hosting it for the last 10 to 12 years in the MJHL, and last year it was, unfortunately we weren't able to host it, so we're really excited. It's it's going to be hosted in Portage of the Prairie this year. It runs from November 22nd to 24th, and, and that's where we bring all 12 teams into Portage to play two regular season games during during that event and it's really a great opportunity for scouts to fly in to see all 12 teams in one location get a chance to talk to the players see highly competitive regular season game hockey Uh, and obviously usually we have it a little bit earlier in the season but with you know the uncertainties on the border and and you know different parameters around capacity restrictions plus you know come early come september early october these players will not have skated that much compared to a normal year so we wanted to really make sure these players were in mid-season form so that they could showcase their abilities and give give themselves the best opportunity to play well with moving it back into late November. I haven't had the chance to talk to you since it was announced that you'd be getting a 13th franchise in the near future so uh, what does it mean to add a team in Niverville for the 2022-23 season? It's it's an exciting move. They're you know, we've been working diligently with that group for the last two, three years with, with conversations and planning and just trying to get a sense of what they're all about. And obviously that's a market that we've had our eye on during that time frame as well. And they're going to be a very strong uh, community ownership group. They have a lot of passion, a lot of pride. They've, they've went above and beyond in their due diligence and planning. And, and obviously they have a brand new facility that's, going to open up this summer in August. So just the combination of a, of a strong ownership group, uh, a very attractive market in this province being one of the fastest growing cities in Manitoba, a very young demographic, uh, close to the city of Winnipeg and close to a number of our teams in our Eastern division. And then a brand new state of the art facility. It really is, was a no brainer, but they definitely are a very prepared group and it'll be very exciting to add them to the league for the 22, 23 season. What does that do to your uh, divisions then? You're going to have one that's got seven, the other's got six? Well, that's what we're, we're going to go through that process this year, but that's most likely what, what will happen. But again, we're, we're not at that point yet. We're, we're more focused on 2021-22 opening weekend. Fair enough. All right. Uh, before I let you go, I'm sure you don't necessarily have a rooting interest. Maybe you do in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but... Do you have a, a special interest in seeing how the Vegas Golden Knights do with Zach Whitecloud out there? Yeah, I think that naturally you get drawn to it just with his his experience and his background in the MJHL and being and obviously they have a lot of Manitoba ties on that team. Uh, you know, either way, I'm not. I'm kind of rooting for all teams to be honest. You know, Tampa would be a really good story. Montreal is turning into a really good Cinderella story, and obviously. Um, Vegas is doing their thing and, and with the Islanders there's also an MJHL connection with Barry Trotz and a Manitoba connection who's a friend of the MJHL, Ryan Pulock so it's just great hockey to watch and, and it's nice to see fans in the buildings and, and see that excitement back in the game for, for everyone to enjoy 
Well, Kevin, appreciate your time tonight as always. Thanks for this, and congrats on the schedule. Best of luck as we uh, go through the summer and get closer to puck drop. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate it. No problem. Have a good day. So I've made it clear on the show before, I quite enjoy watching March Madness. I enjoy watching college football. I love university sports north of the border. But I I have issues with the NCAA and a lot of the hypocrisy, and I'm not the only one. A lot of people out there agree. And the Supreme Court, as well in the United States, unanimously affirming a ruling yesterday that provides for an incremental increase in how college athletes can be compensated. It also opens the door for future legal challenges that could deal with a a much more significant blow to the current business model of the NCAA. And joining me to talk about this is Steve Siebold, a former NCAA athlete, now a certified financial educator, outspoken advocate for paying college athletes for years. Steve, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me tonight. Hey, thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. So let's just start with the ruling. Nine-nothing, that pretty much never happens, right? No, that's very, very rare. Uh, so when that happened, it was just a great victory for uh, for all these, these these kids from mostly poor families in the U.S. that have been taken advantage of for so many years by the, the corrupt NCAA. And uh, so it's just been a great celebration for all of us that have been fighting for this. So take us more into the, this fight, how long it's been going on, and uh, what the NCAA's defense is. Well, it's been going on for decades, frankly, but, the, but you know, as the money became insane, I mean, the, the money is just obscene in, in the NCAA. I mean, these kids create upwards of $20 billion a year in revenue, and we've got coaches here in football and basketball that make between 5 and $10 million a year. Some of these people are some of the wealthiest people in the United States, and they're football and basketball coaches, which, okay, if you're going to do that, fine, but at least pay the players i mean these players leave and most of them don't make the pros only two percent make the pros and they're broke they're flat broken they've got a piece of paper with a, a signature on it and that's their payment meanwhile the coach is driving a ferrari and living in a mansion and so uh so we've been trying to overturn this since the money really became big in the last several decades and uh, obviously there's the NCAA, there's so many sports, right? And we, we look at basketball, football, those are the big revenue-generating ones. There's there's ones like the we're seeing the College and Baseball World Series on right now that are popular as well, but not nearly to the extent of football and basketball. But even if there aren't, you know, salaries paid to students, which I think is a, is a hard bridge to cross, but just letting, you know, not penalizing somebody for getting a sandwich for free, like, it, there seems to be some common sense that needs to be knocked into the NCAA here? Oh, yeah. No, it's total greed. I mean, this is a billion-dollar play. I mean, these, these people are getting, you know, again, obscenely rich. Uh, it, and, they're, and, these are, and these are very well-educated people from, you know, a lot of wealthy families that have put this whole thing together. And meanwhile, the basketball and football players are from typically inner-city poor families, and they're just really happy that they're getting a college degree so they abuse them. It, it, it's close to slave labor. I mean, it's, this is really, really big money. I mean, if the coaches made $100,000 a year, okay, you could, you could make a case for it. When the coach is making $10 million and the players make zero, and the players are the ones putting the people in the stands and, and putting, people on, you know, putting commercials on television, all the revenue from all the different revenue sources, you got to look and say someone's getting rich here off the back of someone else. So in a statement sent to members uh, yesterday, according to 
the athletic, Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, who I, I don't think anybody likes, said, quote, while today's decision preserves the lower court ruling, it also reaffirms the NCAA's authority to adopt reasonable rules and repeatedly notes that the NCAA remains free to articulate what are and what are not truly educational benefits consistent with the NCAA's mission to support student athletes. Close quote. What is he talking about, Steve? Well, right off the bat, let's 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 you know let's establish. Mark Emmer made you know makes his salary is two point seven million dollars a year to run the NCAA. I mean, he's a crook. I mean, it's just, it'd be, I mean, when the players aren't making any money, I think he's, in that context, he's a crook, at least, in that way. And so, I mean, you know, what, what they're trying to do is protect the money. That's basically what he's saying in corporate speak, as we call it here in the U.S. <laughs> Maybe they do in Canada as well. But, um, you know, they're, they're kind of they're uh, trying to shade the idea that, hey, they, you know, that this, is, this is the way it should be. The NCAA makes its own rules. And then they say, well, the rules are that you, if you're an amateur, you can't get paid. It's circular logic. I mean, they're, they're making their own rules based on their rules. And they're justifying the rules based on the rules they've made themselves. <laughs> they've they've dominated it for so long, Christian, that they they're like a, they're like gods of the, of the college sports world. And uh, it's coming to an end. The NCAA is on its way out. Emmert's on his way out. It's really just a matter of time. Well, and it, and as I mentioned off the top, it takes a special something to unite the Supreme Court of the United States of America, especially now where there's, I think, an even bigger divide between liberal and conservative. The liberal side looks at it more maybe as a civil rights thing, and the conservative side looks at it as a as a business enterprise thing. You're cutting off these kids' abilities to to make money for what, for what they're doing. And the NCAA's argument basically is, hey, they're not getting paid because they don't get paid and have never gotten paid. And, and the argument for Brett Kavanaugh, which was scathing, and you can like or dislike Brett Kavanaugh, he basically wrote in in to some degree this is like if they tried to come along and say this is what we're doing and just start this now no one would say that was legal or let it happen oh he and i and i totally agree with that i mean you you can't like you said in any other business this this would be this would be illegal this would be criminal and it, and it really is it's just that the nca has absolute power and of course the universities aren't going to disagree because they're all getting rich from the, and again on the backs of these these tremendous athletes that are never going to see a penny. Most of them will never play pro sports. And even to the point where up until recently, they couldn't even sell their name. People are walking around town with, with their names on their jerseys and the backs of their jerseys and their images. And they have them in video games. And the kids don't even get paid on that. They don't even own their own names and likeness. They didn't before. Now they're starting to, they realize, well, you have to pay them for that at least. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just unbelievable. These people can sleep at night. So where do we go from here? Well, this is just this is just a matter of time. I mean, we've been fighting this fight for you know, like I said, for for really for decades. Uh, I've been involved with it for about ten years, and we've been waiting for these little these little dominoes to fall. But with the supreme, as you said, I mean, we're so divided in the U.S. right now; it's almost unbelievable. And we but but nine Supreme Court justices could actually agree on one thing that this is this is really bad. So I, I think where we go from here. Is that this is just this is just the one the, one of the bigger dominoes, probably the biggest domino that's fallen in this case, and it'll get to the point where the NCA is replaced and they they put an incentive compensation structure together for the kids. They stop ripping them off, and people start getting rich off the back to these players, and uh, and it becomes a fair thing and uh, changes the the face of sports. So, what is uh, in your opinion then? What I guess what is a, an ideal structure for a letting athletes get compensated? Well, just like you do in a corporation. So, like, I, I, I'm in the money business, so I've I built, 
incentive compensation structures for large Fortune 500 companies throughout the U.S. And so it's basically the same thing. It's based on a hierarchy. So the CEO makes the most typically, the president makes the second most typically, the board gets paid something for their effort, and the janitor gets the lowest pay maybe, or someone on the bottom of the hierarchy, and the middle gets the middle pay. Same thing with a sport. It's, it's not really difficult. They want to make it sound like it's impossible, but it's basically a hierarchy just like a Fortune 500 company. So we're talking months, weeks, years. What like to see Mark Emmert out the door and the NCAA, as you say, be replaced? Well, I, unfortunately, I think it's going to take several more years. I, I think it's going to this. They, you know, there's so much money, and as you know, when there's big, when there's billions of dollars involved, these 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 people don't want to give it up. They're very powerful people, getting richer by the day, by the minute. So they're not going to give it up easily. They're going to have to be – I mean, they've been shamed. We've all been shaming them for years, and the coaches as well, and they don't seem to really care. So it's going to have to really come down hard, but I think it's going to be several more years. But we're all going to keep fighting the fight on the behalf of these young athletes that work so hard and are so great and need to be compensated for their efforts. It just seems like the NCAA is just so committed, and Mark Emmert is just so committed to going down on this sinking ship. They just gave him a contract extension, even though we can't find anything that he's done well, I guess, other than preserve the model, which is what the universities, I guess, want him to do. It's just anyone else, it's so transparent just how bad it is that, I guess, in your words, how do they sleep at night? I guess it's a valid question. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it reminds me of our political situation. Some of this stuff is just so ludicrous. It's just so obviously, you know, made up and corrupt. And you think, how can this happen? Well, it's happened in our political system in the U.S. Now, I never thought I'd see a day let this happen, but it is. But I think it's, it's like a microcosm of, of, the, of our political scandals right now that uh, they're getting away with it. And to your point, I'm like you. I just can't believe they get away with it. Much less, obviously, they can sleep at night. They don't care about ripping the kids off because they're getting rich by the day. But uh uh, you know, but they keep doing it. So I, it's it's hard for me to believe too that the public will put up with this. But I don't think most people understand the level of rip off that's occurring. Yeah, hopefully, eventually, common sense prevails and it turns out better for the student athletes in the end. It's going to take, as you said, some time, Steve. Uh, appreciate your time on this. Thank you, and uh, maybe in a couple of years we'll be able to to talk about the uh, the end of the NCAA. Who knows? Well, I hope so, Christian. I appreciate you having me on. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. And thanks for all the fish So sad that it should come to this We try to warn you over the day You may not share our intellect